This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. So welcome to the War Room, Maury. It, uh, it's been a pleasure so far. I hope you're having a good day. Does that sound about right? I'm always having a good day. You know, I just have to have distance from my wife and that makes it a better thing. <laughs> Let's hope she doesn't listen to this. No, episode. I locked the door. She's not. <laughs> uh, so one of the things we like to ask to open up the show traditionally is uh, if you yourself come from a family of business owners or entrepreneurs. Um, no, my father was a hardworking guy. He was a car dealer. And in fact, because he was a hardworking guy and I watched how he struggled and how, how he, it was so difficult for him to make money that told me that I wanted to do it a different way. All right. So, you know, I kind of learned that, that that being a blue collar worker, although that's an honorable position to take and America's built on blue collar workers, but I didn't want to be a blue collar worker. I wanted to figure out how I can spend the least amount of hours and make the most amount of money, which was the opposite of what my father was doing. He was spending the most amount of hours and making the least amount of money. So it kind of, that's what caused me to think outside the box. Yeah, I can see that. And uh, thank you for putting it so clearly Uh, for me. So you watch that. You're growing up watching that, making decisions to yourself, promises to yourself, I'm doing it different. At what point do you finally see your opportunity to do this? Is this almost immediately as you're growing up, lemonade stands, this and that, or do you well, go to high I, school, college? Just to, just to give you a little background, you know, back when, when I was growing up, you know, the typical salary, at least what my father was making, was around $500 a week. I was 16, year old, 16 years old, making $2,000 a week, Okay. And setting up businesses that gave me reoccurring revenue that I didn't even have to work at. And I would just go and collect the money. <laughs> kind of not like the mafia, but but I used to go to various <laughs> businesses and say, where's the money that you owe me? <laughs> but I always created a win-win situation where if I was making money, they were making money. And the people they were doing business with were finding value and wanted to give their money because of the value. So I learned that at a very young age and, and it kind of made me think outside the box for my entire life. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's dive into that a little more because what you said is so important is not only did you make a promise to yourself, but you figured it out, even though you don't come from a business background, how did this happen for you? Well, I did go to school, you know, I, I, I went to many schools and one of the, the schools that kind of impacted me the most was a boutique school made up of presidents and vice presidents of the biggest advertising agencies and marketing agencies in the United States. At one time, they were located in Philadelphia and they decided to open up their own school. And most of the time you would think, well, you're going to intern for these companies. No, I had to pay a lot of money to be a student to be taught by them. 
their feeling was that whatever students rise, rise to the top, they would then invite them into their agencies. Well, I just found a remarkable resource by talking and have these instructors and having these mentors showing me at age 22 years old and 21 years old how the world works, how, you know, how the real world works. That was an eye-opening experience because, like I said, the, up until that point, I was figuring things out on my own. When I met these people, they were opening up the, the box and saying, here's how it works. And that was the best education I could have had. And, and that caused me to move up to the next level and the next level. And, you know, I, I, I'm grateful for my father. You know, he taught me, you know, how hard work will yield X amount of dollars. My, my thinking was, how do I do it without hard work? How do I do three <laughs> things? And now I'm at a point where my businesses run, 80% of my businesses run without me working them at all. So I freed up 80% of my time to say, how can I now go to the next level? And oh, I don't man. know whether you know what the next level is, but if you want me to bore you a little bit. I'll no, I do. And and just before we get there, I th- I, I'm so curious, knowing what you know now, is it a mental thing that you mostly had to overcome as opposed to any information that we were given and it's like well you see i always looked at things that you know i'll figure it out okay i always i'm the type of person that will take something apart and say how was this put together and can i make it better whether it be an actual electronic device i did taking apart pinball machines when i was six years old and tvs when i was eight years old i used to look at these things and said how do they work and can it be better? All right. And what had happened is that kind of programmed me throughout my life saying, how can this business be taken apart, analyzed, put back together and make it better? So I've actually created my own businesses where now they're 80% reoccurring revenue and passive income. And I, I looked at that and I said, can I free up my time? Can I continue making the money that I was making? but now free up my time to do something that's even bigger and better. And that's the path that I'm on right now, doing things that my wife says you can't do. And, and through organizations that I belong to, Jason knows the organizations I'm talking about. I've met people who can do it and they basically are mentoring me and I'm working together with them. And I'm not afraid of anything. I, I don't look at mistakes as being failures. I look at them as being learning opportunities. And, you know, and as long as you don't put your house at risk, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you you try everything. You don't know what's going to work and what doesn't work, but, you know, take risks that are basically mitigated risks, you know, take the, the look at the risk and say, can I do this without harming what I have? And if you can do it, what's the worst that could happen? It doesn't work. It's, to me, that doesn't mean anything. It's like, okay, now I know what not to do. Einstein, not Einstein, Edison was asked while he was making the light bulbs. He failed or or he had a thousand attempts at making the filaments for his light bulb. And he was asked, how could he deal with 1,000 failures? And he looked at the person and he said, I don't know what you're talking about. I now know a thousand ways how not to make a light bulb. So each one of those things were not failures. They brought me to the point now where I know what does work. Had I not done those thousand things, I would have never found out the right thing. 
So he never looked at it as failures at all. There it is, man. Well said. Um, I, I want to check in with Jason now because you've said a lot of things that I know resonate with him. <laughs> Hi, Jason. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, I'm that same way. I'm, you know, I create. I'm a creator. I love to create things and then figure out how to put them on autopilot. So we uh, we very much share that mindset when it comes to that. <laughs> and, you know, because there's more to life than just be caught to be trapped in this black hole of well, I'm the CEO and blah, 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 blah. I got my desk and, you know, I run this show. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you wind up believing your own BS and that's right. the worst thing. Okay. Yeah, right. And then you are actually a slave to this world that you created. And now yeah. what do you do now? Now that you're a slave, okay, you're the CEO. Now what? Right. Okay. You, you should, you should basically be stepping away, be the architect, not the CEO. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let people, somebody else do it. And you move on to the next thing. You sitting behind yeah. that desk. That's just a total waste of your time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> See, now we're getting in my there, kind of conversation here. Now. <laughs> we should have, uh, do we meet in another life or something? <laughs> probably. Hey man, that's a, that's an accurate depiction. There are some people who are married to the idea, to the title of what they think it should be. And those are the same people that end up running their teams to the ground too. Uh, because uh, you can always get somebody who is, doesn't have that attachment to it, is willing to do it because it is a job for them while you are the architect who moves on to create other things. I see a lot of validity in what you're saying, especially for someone who's moving and shaking with that much energy and knows that there's another thing to be created, right? That's the difference. I mean, I'm going after not just the moon on, on the project that I'm working on. I'm going after world changing things. I'll, I'll discuss it. I think Jason may know a little bit about it, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I just figure if I'm going to go after something at my age, I might, might as well go after the biggest legacy project that anybody has ever done. Like Walt Disney on steroids, okay. you know, that type of thing like Steve Jobs on steroids. It's like, just let it go. What's the worst that could happen? I crash and burn. (laughs) I've crashed before. Burning doesn't bother me. Okay. But what if it does work? You know, just imagine the possibilities is as my brain just goes crazy and I get people involved and they say, yeah, we can do this. Imagine if it works. You know, the, the legacy that you can leave to your kids and your grandkids and your great grandkids that that their grandfather did something that's still involved today. Imagine how Walt Disney would feel to walk around and see Disneyland and what's happening. He died 50 years ago. OK, and it's still in play. You know, his little drawing of Mickey Mouse, he brought the life. And kids still enjoy it every day. They go to Disneyland or Disney World. Around the world, they're busy building his theme parks. You know, just imagine if he was alive to see all that. He probably would 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 come up with even better things. But imagine what his legacy has done. It's affected kids all over the world. And this is what you're trying to do? Step yeah. into that realm? You want me to step into that? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Well, you see, I, I looked at it as soon as I started freeing up my time, I started to say, all right, what, what can I do to make people pay attention to me? So I took up writing. I became a best-selling writer. Uh, my first book became a, a bestseller in three hours. And then I wrote the sequel that became a bestseller immediately. 
And then I wrote a book that had more to it than a book. I was thinking of perhaps going to Netflix and doing a mini series. And I wrote like the modern version of E.T. And in my version, uh, this entity that came from another world winds up inside a golden retriever puppy. So imagine taking, you know, a, a puppy that everybody in America loves and now giving him a different dimension. He's the smartest alien ever, but he can only do so much because he's stuck in the mind of a puppy. Okay. And, and this dog was on a mission or this alien inside the dog's on a mission. First, he wanted to understand, okay, what human beings were about. And the only way he could learn about human beings was watching television. And we all know that television doesn't really give the proper representation about what we're about. So he's seeing the killings and the wars and, and the news. He's seeing, you know, car dealers yelling and screaming about how you have to buy your next car. He's trying to get a handle of humans and it's all warped. And he's disappointed, you know, because this is what he's seen. And it wasn't until he started looking at the family that he lives with and realizing that the true human beings are the love that they have for one another, the love for family. And he started to change his mind. And he does some wonderful things in the movie. And at the end of the movie, he disappears. And you're sitting there going, what just happened? And that's where the magic begins. Because we're taking Cosmo, that's the name of the dog, and we're bringing him to life. When you go to the movie theater and you're watching this movie and you're entertained on many different levels, whether you're a grandparent, whether you're a six-year-old kid, we try to entertain them all at the same time. But at the end of the movie, the lights come on. You're told to enter a code on your phone. And Cosmo jumps from the movie screen onto your phone and goes home with you. He's alive. He's part of your life. He's part of the life of all the children that, that, that deal with tablets and computers and phones. He's there. He's their mentor. He's their dog, but he, that he can talk to them. He can help them. And his purpose is to show children that the world that they know of, okay, is very fragile. Okay. We have global warming. We have pollution. We have all kinds of issues. And if the children want a better world that they will grow up into, it's up to them to take control. So he starts showing them all the problems of the world, brings it down to their level, and starts laying out the solutions. And it's our hope that Cosmo will plant the seeds of inspiration into these kids, show them that these problems can be fixed, and they have the opportunity to grow up and fix these problems. And when they become politicians, when they become clergymen, when they become leaders of industry, that they will look at the world differently than people today are looking at the world because they learned about the world and they learned what the possibilities were. And we're hoping that we can actually change the world by starting with this little dog. Oh man. I, there's like a number of people that are running through my mind that I know I need to make sure that you meet, uh, the, after, out of all the 2000 interviews I've done, whatever, with CEOs, entrepreneurs, and people, I can think of already so many people that need to get involved with what you're doing. And what a way to understand how media impacts, especially mm -hmm. over long term, uh, the development of a society, right? I mean, you only have and to like I said, 
this is the biggest legacy project ever. This is <laughs> Walt Disney. You know, I looked at Disney and wonderful idea. He was an artist. You know, he brought his, his artwork to life, but it was for entertainment purposes. Mickey Mouse doesn't talk to children about the problems of the world. He doesn't talk to them about nutrition. The purpose of Walt Disney was to entertain. Well, my feeling is, what if we take it to the next level? What if we get an icon that grows up with children and he shows them the problems? Now, of course, he's programmed by psychologists, nutritionists, people that have meditation services. So a lot of people are involved in this. But we're going to show children that on their level, that they're going to learn things they can't learn in school. They don't learn with their parents. Now, we're not going to circumvent their parents. We certainly don't want, want parents to get mad at us. We want to work with the parents and work with the teachers. But it's our hope that getting on this level with children and explaining the world from an alien's viewpoint, because his world got destroyed and he doesn't want to see that happen with Earth. So we're wondering that if the kids actually grow up with this, it's quite possible that they will make friends with other children around the world. And maybe we can prevent wars. Maybe we can stop the pollution. Maybe we can do things that adults today have given up on. They basically said, yeah, maybe there is global warming, but what am I supposed to do? <laughs> you know? I'm just one person. Well, well, yeah, you're one person, but imagine getting all the children in the world together on a particular set of goals. Imagine the effect of that. So that's my goal. It's powerful stuff, man. Powerful that's stuff. That's a big one, brother. That's a <laughs> big pretty one. big. <laughs> that's pretty big. That's that's one of those situations. I think it was uh, Dove Brothman I had heard in an interview. It was like the Australia, uh, no, the Canadian version of Tony Robbins to say, if your goals or your dreams aren't scaring you, you're not thinking big enough. Yeah. You know? My wife looks at me every day and she goes, you're going to what? You're going to change the world at your age. And I said, no, I'm just going to change the mindset. I'm going to let the children change the world. And if even if only half of what I want to do works, it's still better than nothing. Okay, Mm -hmm. we can't hurt it. We can only make things better. So, you know, we want to show children that they're sharing the earth with other creatures. Humans aren't the only people or the only things on earth. We want to show them how the fish, how the oceans are getting destroyed by pollution. And they're innocent creatures. They're just trying to go on with their lives. And we're pumping chemicals and then killing them. You know, we're killing the reefs. We're killing the coral. Why? Because there's no other way of doing it. Certainly there's another way of doing it. We just are used to doing it old ways. Right. It's like the... uh... Like the people who you're driving behind and they just have to cut across. They just they just can't go one more block. This is this is my favorite thing. I've this is what I all I always turn here. You can't it's too late. You can't just go one more block, but that's how people live. <laughs> you know, and, and to me, you know, people say to me, Well, why are you doing it with children? It's because children they haven't made their decisions yet. The parents have, and I'm not going to say there's anything wrong with parents showing children their ways. That's what we are as parents, okay? But you have to understand that we we do what we know. So parents are educating children based upon their education. So if they think that nothing can be done, 
with global warming, if they think that pollution is just something that, okay, well, I separate my trash. What else do you want me to do? <laughs> you know, and, and if they think that way, then we'll never get this done. You know, and if the politicians, you know, think certain ways, I'm not saying that one politician is better than another, but there are leaders. But when it comes to things like this, they kind of don't make a stand. You know, they, they, for whatever reason, and they may have great reasons that I don't know about, but they just don't make a stand. So I'm not going to go there. What I am saying is if we show this to children, okay, what do they think? Imagine when we started showing children that smoking was bad. Okay. If you look at smoking now, you know, you don't see as many people smoke because when a child sees their parents smoke, He's like, mom, really? Seriously? So now now the parent has their kid against them. So why they wind up not smoking? Okay. So, you know, simple little things like we drink water. We're told that water's great. We drink out of plastic water bottles out of convenience. Nothing wrong with that. Okay. Just imagine how many people live in America if half of the people drink a cup, two bottles of water a day. That's 300 million bottles of water and the plastic bottles are being thrown out. 300 million. What are we doing with this plastic? Yeah, we put them in the recycle bin and they get dumped somewhere. Okay. But do we think about it past when we recycle it? No. So if we can get children to understand that water is good, but there's other way of drinking it. Maybe we can give them bottles with filters on it. They can drink their own water. And they can say to their parents, hey, mom, hey, dad, you know, you can't, I'm not drinking out of a plastic bottle. Cosmo told me it was bad. Maybe you shouldn't drink out of a plastic bottle either. Imagine the worldwide (laughs) effect of kids basically turning the, turning that off where, where people no longer drink out of plastic bottles. Now, I'm sure there's going to be the water industry is not going to like this idea, but they'll adapt. They'll make it another way. Maybe they'll, I was in Canada and, and they had paper bottles. Not They weren't bottles. They weren't plastic. They were paper. That, so that's a good idea. You know, just give us another means, but we don't need the plastic. Imagine all these kids just saying, I'm, I'm not drinking water out of plastic bottles anymore. Or when I leave my room, I'm turning the light switch off. You know, I'm going to be aware of things that I never thought of before. And when I eat candy and my mom says, don't eat any more candy, Cosmo will show them why. It's because your mother loves you, not because she doesn't want you to eat candy. Cosmo is going to take them inside the human body and show them the effect of high fructose syrup and sugar on their system. And it may not be a big thing to kid at six years old, but Cosmo is going to show them as the age how how that decision of eating too much candy at six years old will affect them when they're 60. That's the cause of diabetes. That's the cause of heart problems. That's the cause of a lot of issues, not solely the cause naturally, but that's one of the causes. And it's all because children didn't understand that eating that extra candy bar was bad for them. It, they, the only reason they didn't eat it is because their mother said, don't eat it. Now they're pissed at their mother. Well, you know, we Cosmo wants to show them there's alternatives. There's other things to eat. Now, imagine if we start putting that mindset in children, how we can change the health and welfare of people when they're older, because we started when they were six. Yeah. So this, this no, is pretty this big. Is, this is this is large and in charge. 
And it's in an effort to leave behind a planet better than than what it currently is, because what we inherited was not what we wanted. <laughs> I'm I'm all for this. I'm all I'm I'm way behind this 100. percent And uh, before we go any further, I just you know this conversation and its profoundness is made possible specifically because of our community of business owners and and, and entrepreneurs and and what they do to support making these episodes possible by sponsoring them. So if you don't mind, I'd, I'd, I'd love to share, uh, just take a quick minute here to talk about Kelly Gordon and what she's doing with Cyberpreneur Inferno. Uh, for anyone who's ever started an agency and found themselves like, oh yeah, I'm going to make more money, get more freedom, kind of like we were talking about earlier, right? That's the goal. Mm-hmm. And then somehow they get less and they get more stress and their monthly income is predictable as a, as a wild horse drinking a Red Bull. Next thing you know, they have no idea how they're going to get their clients or any kind of consistent income. Well, Kelly Gordon has built this community and this learning called Cyberpreneur Inferno, which gives them the personal attention that this agency owner would need, systems, mindsets, accountability necessary to really win and set you up for success. And Or you could spend 10,000 hours trying to learn things the hard way as a lot of us have done here, or you could just join her and what she's doing with a hundred other digital agency owners to level up with a proven way of doing it. And you can take advantage of a special 15% off tuition discount because you're listening to this show by using the code warroom 15. When you go to visit get.cyberpreneurinferno.com forward slash four by four method. Uh, and with that said, coming back to what you're saying, I mean, the level that you're operating on is definitely global. The way you're thinking is global. And I can hear the conviction in your voice. And, you know, often it's that kind of thinking that actually gets it done. It does. And uh, there's a lot of people that I know for a fact I want to start putting the dots on your radar and seeing how they connect because I believe in that mission. It's like Mickey, if Mickey Mouse was Captain Planet, you know, (laughs) and I, and I think that's brilliant. Um, So I remember growing up watching Captain Planet, but what I remember most was just uh, them having, wanting the world to be a better place, but really it was about the cool rings they had and Mm -hmm. the fact that they had powers, but all that got lost by everything else that happens in school. But I also didn't have the ubiquitous tablet in my face all day yeah, like kids do I, now. So I see that I, that was an idea before its time. And now the way you've presented it, I mean, think of Airbud, right? I, every kid grew up watching that, uh, that, that Labrador, I, 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 I mean, a uh, golden retriever play basketball. Right. But then everyone fell in love with it. And then it didn't teach anyone anything other than, you know, love your friend, love your best friend, your dog. So I can see all the elements you're putting together while also using the powerful medium of film. And who doesn't watch Rocky one and then decides they're going to start working out again after the first movie. Right. And so we use that, uh, that uh, natural uh, inertia of watching a movie and then having it put you in a state where you start from a different place. Right. And then have that as a companion through and through, I can see the powerful uh, to some degree, it's almost propaganda technique, but used and leveraged for good, yeah. you know, and I think it's powerful and essential because how else is it going to happen? It's not going to happen with all the other methods we've tried. So I'm a hundred percent behind that. Uh, there's really only two other questions I have to ask. Uh, so before I do that, I want to check in with Jason. I love it because you, you start looking at a global scale of, you know, people say, well, we, we can fix the electric electricity grid by putting up solar. Well, 
that then implies that we're going to have enough solar panels to do that, right? Who's going to pay for it? All these things, right? So I, I believe that we have to make change one little bite at a time, right? You can't make change just happen overnight, right? But it's funny you talk about children because when I was in Afghanistan, I advised one of the senior uh, Afghan army uh, uh, commands our majors over in Afghanistan. And he said, you know, you all have been here for at that time, it was 10 years or whatever it was. And he said, you guys haven't been here for 10 years. You've been here for 10 deployments because every time the next unit comes in, the scales slide back to zero because the next guy's got to get his awards, right? And the only way you're going to change, this, this is his words, so I'm just going to quote his words because they're kind of powerful. He said, the only way you're going to change how it is here is if you kill everybody above the age of six years old. Because then you can retrain and reteach everybody here. Now, I'm just, I'm repeating what he said. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't support that by any means, but, but uh, that, that's what he said. But that's how culture is, though. So we have to figure out how to embrace the change in the current culture through children. And then it's like evolution can happen. That's right. Right? It's like evolution of thought process happens. And eventually, I'm the old dog that says, yeah, these troops nowadays, they suck. They don't know what they're doing. When really, they're probably 10 times better than I ever was because they're smarter. <laughs> so, so, but that's how change happens. And it's an evolution. And that's what you're talking about is evolution. And, and you know, kids, they're, they're open to suggestion. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're open to learning. They haven't gotten to a stage where their minds are set. So mm -hmm. we have to do this gently and we have to make sure the parents understand we're not trying to take the roles away from the parents, okay, that we want to work with their parents. But we also want to show their parents because, you know, when you're a parent and your first child is born, you don't know what you're doing at all. You know, you're, you're guessing all along. You know, thank God you have a mother and father that maybe want to help you. And most of the time you're like, oh, mom, come on, move away. I know what I'm doing. But you really don't know what you're doing. You're guessing. OK. And when you have your second kid, it's like, OK, I think I got this down. Pat. And when you have your third kid, it's like, eh, they'll figure it out on their own. You know, it's amazing <laughs> how we go through progressions with children. But in reality, you know, we really don't know what the best way is of educating our children. We, we send them to schools or homeschooling or whatever, but we don't know. We're hoping that they're going to turn out to be good kids. We're hoping that whatever ethics we have, we're going to show them. So what's wrong with bringing in another layer, okay, where they can work with the parents? We, we, want, we, we value the parents' suggestions, you know, we're going to have forums with the parents. Cosmo is, okay, going to say, tell me, tell me about your child. You know, how could I help your child? So we want to get children and uh, the parents of children and, and teachers, instructors, psychologists, child psychologists, crisis management people to have to understand that when a child goes through different change stages in their life, 
they're scared to death. Do you remember the first day you went to school and, and you know, and, and you walked into a class and maybe that class was already seated. And now you walk in and you go, what am I supposed to do? All right. Where, where, where am I, you know, and you're, and you're like, you want to sit in the back and just kind of observe <laughs> because you, you don't want to, unless you're a straightforward person, you're like, no, I'll sit in the back. I'll, I'll kind of see what this is about. Well, Cosmo's going to show them, no, step up to the front. I'm going to show you what this is about. I'm going to treat you at a level of your comfort. And you know what? If you're anxious, we're going to teach you ways of dealing with your anxiety. Okay, if you're frightened, it's okay, but we're going to teach you ways of dealing with things. We're going to show you that 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 to be frightened, to be afraid of something, to be scared, that's really in your own mind. Okay, that's something that you put in your mind because you don't know how to deal with things. So Cosmo will be there holding their hand saying, it's okay, you can do this. And of course, it's not just cause it's not this alien dog talking. It's, it's a child psychologist behind it, but that's okay. You know, cause we, we want this child to understand that Cosmo will always be there for him. And Cosmo cares about them, cares about the world and once came to earth for a reason. And that is he wanted to make the earth better than the planet that he came from. So it's a, it's a story that kids will understand and buy. And you know, kids today, they're, they're so into the metaverse. They're so into, into the social media that we can pull this off. It's not like Disneyland where, where you have to take your kids to, to Disneyland or Disney World to have fun. We can bring it right into the lives of the children. Okay. And we can show them and, and match fun with education, with passion and bring out the best of the child and, and, I got to tell you, I really think it's going to work, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> no, this is absolutely fundamentally true, what you just said. And uh, we even uh, interviewed someone, uh, I think the name of their company was Alternova, that is using gamification. There are a bunch mm -hmm. of gamers to right. to create education. So again, I meant when I said that there's a few names I can think of, and I know more will pop up, that because it sounds, the implication I hear when you say this, is it's going to be a collective that will be shaping yes. this and moving this forward. And the running theme of today has really been, you know, no business is an island and uh, no human is either. You know? and, and my biggest problem is because I've always jumped into things and done it myself. And this is the first time in my life I have to step away. My job is to inspire people and keep them on the right track. But I have to be the architect. I can't be the bricklayer. I can't be the electrician. I can't because if I do those things, okay, other things, my passions won't get across to people because I'll be too busy laying bricks when I should be having people understand where we're headed and to constantly keep them in the right direction. So uh, it's a learning experience for me. I've never done this before, but I actually hired somebody to keep me from, from jumping in, you know, and, and she said to me, well, this seems easy. I said, no, it's going to be the hardest job you ever had because you're going to have to wrestle me to the ground you know, when I want to go do things. <laughs> Hey, man, uh, I, I believe this is one of the most important conversations of our time to be having. And uh, you're in good company. We had interviewed a few people uh, just the other day. We had interviewed Cal Fussman, a journalist uh, for Esquire magazine for many years. 
who met all the greats and all the icons of the last 75 years, who then shifted over to healthcare because he realized that there's real problems Mm -hmm. in the healthcare industry as a whole. And it's very in line with what you're trying to do. He's also trying to make sure that the work he does maybe can put kids through school to get them to become the doctors and the nurses and the people that we're going to need for society since there's this silver tsunami that's going to be coming in and the great exit of many of the doctors of our of our time right now. And so there's so many things that you're talking to. I could think of the UN and people I know who are working on the sustainable development goals, namely being a lot of things about protecting the planet and things of that nature. So there's a lot oh, of yeah. room for collaboration with what you're doing. And I truly believe this is one of those projects where the more people we can get involved, the better. And we're doing something that's also different than Hollywood. A great deal of the profits, I, I can't give you the percentage, but it's its a very high percentage. We're giving back. We're set, going to foundations to help children around the world to try to level the playing field because kids in the United States are on a different playing field than somebody in South Africa or somebody in Italy or somebody in Venezuela or somebody in Brazil or somebody in Germany. So what we have to do is we have to say, okay, how do we get all children to be healthy? You know, why is it that certain children get medication and others shouldn't? So no, that's not going to be, we're going to take our profits and, and make sure that kids get medication, kids get education, kids get food, because if we're asking all the kids to join together, we want them all to be basically on the same playing field. So that's a whole other issue. But I know that when we head in that direction, we're going to get an awful lot of people that say, how can how can we promote this? You know, there'll be a lot of, of people in Hollywood that are going to turn around and go, oh, my God, I always wanted to do something that means something. How do I get behind it? And we're just going to say, just do your thing. Just promote it. Just show people what we're doing the more the merrier. We're going to create this movement of helping kids. And hey, like I said, I go big or go home in this case. (laughs) Listen, the reason why I know it's going to work is because of the way I hear you speaking about it. It, it Already, I'm already thinking of somebody else who had uh, worked with NASA and then created a kid's cartoon to help increase motivation Mm -hmm. towards STEM education, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I'm already thinking of all these kinds of things just based off the conversation. So I know it's going to work. And I'm going to bring all these people in, you know, this is no longer my project. I'm the architect of this project. Walt Disney did not build roller coasters. He convinced people of how he wanted to further bring his characters to life. He brought them to life in the movies and in animation. How do I bring them to life? Well, they created Walt Disney World, Walt Disney Land, where those characters are alive. So he was on the right track. You know, I look at him saying, boy, if he was alive today, imagine what he could do. Okay, he inspired all these people and they keep on going. They're just they're just going and going. Well, imagine if I can do half of what he did, but do it to inspire children to fix the world. That's it's a crazy notion. But hey, I'll do it. Yeah, man. No, yeah, you've got you've got a lot going with that. And uh, I'm here for it. Uh, With that said, the the. The question now is if uh, if you could have gone back to maybe the early years where you were just building businesses and, you know, earning a living, knowing what you know now about purpose and passion, what, what would you say to, to that to that younger version of yourself? Well, you know, I would say you're on the right track, but you have to think bigger because at the time, 
you know, I was taking information that was given to me at the time. I wasn't thinking on this level. Imagine if I was 21 thinking on this level. I would have had this stuff already been running. Okay, but I didn't know it was possible. I knew anything was possible, but I didn't think on the levels that I'm thinking now. So I would go back and say, you know, you're, you're on the right track, but now you got to think on a different level. And okay. hopefully I'd listen to myself. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, with that said, are we in order for the grand finale, Jason? Absolutely. All right. So the grand finale is if you could have invited anybody to this conversation, Maury, who would you have loved to have had here and why them? Well, certainly, you know, the first thing that would normally come is my parents, but my parents kind of saw what I was doing. I would like to take people that maybe don't aren't alive anymore, taking a guy like Steve Jobs, taking a guy like Walt Disney and, and, and getting together with them and say, what do you think? You know, how could you make this better? Look what you did in your life. Now, could you help me take it to the next level? Because because they were remarkable people. I mean, we we wouldn't be talking on this computer, on a smartphone or whatever without without Steve Jobs. OK, and nobody would know what the name Mickey Mouse. You mention it to any kid around the world and they know what Mickey Mouse is. Okay. And, and, and they can picture it in their mind. So those two guys and, and people like them created the world by taking their visions and bringing them forward. So to have them on my team and saying, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? What do you think? That would just make this even 10 times better. Absolutely. I'm behind all of this, man. There's just clarity to your vision and to your mission. Uh, so thank you so much for stopping by. It's tradition here that Jason closes us out, but I can't thank you enough for what you've done. Oh, no, thank you. It's my pleasure, really. I, I enjoyed this tremendously. And and for what you guys are doing, okay, you're making things possible for people like me. So I want to thank you for that. You know, you're you're helping us get our word out. So thank you so much for that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a fantastic story it's a fantastic mission that you're on and you know however however i can help or philip can help or however we can help you try to make your goals come to reality you just let us know oh you'll well, get a phone call glad to <laughs> I'm, I'm sure i will i'm actually uh, almost positive I'm going to at some point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the more the merrier. We're all yeah. in this together. We, we, yeah, we, you know, my job is to inspire at this point, okay, to lay out the future and inspire people and to, and to get them on board. So everybody that I talk to, I try to do that. I think I may have touched <laughs> you a little bit. But, you know, so now that you're on board, we're going to do this together. So I, I you know, I, I, like I said, I, I'm an architect now. I have to recognize the talents and skills of people and embrace them and say, help me move this forward. There you go. That's it. Absolutely. It's the consummate rule of, of being a creator yeah. and not a doer. Right. So anyway, thanks Maury. God, that was an enlightening conversation. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I look forward to bringing you back soon uh, to see where you're at with it. Well, you know, as as we move forward, we, we, we're going to expose 
the the underbelly of how movies are made. Okay, we we want to see people grow up with watch, watching Cosmo created. Okay, where we have an audience that that just loves this dog and they can't wait to see what he's going to do next. So you know, we're, we're like I said, you know, I have things that Walt Disney didn't have. I have social media platforms. I have metaverse. We're, we, you know, we have Facebook. We have you know LinkedIn. We have everything at our disposal, and all we have to do is use it and yeah. just find the people that know how to use it properly. So that's my job. Right. There, there it is, man. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks, brother, for being here uh, again. Great conversation, and you're doing big things. Yeah, man. Cheers. Cheers. Well, we're all gonna one day. We're all gonna toast to this idea. You know, uh, we're gonna have to rent a pretty big <laughs> yacht. You know, <laughs> you know <laughs> I said to my production people, you know, we're gonna all be on a yacht, all of us, saying we did it. We changed there the world. There Changing is, the world man. together. That's how to end it right there. Done. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.